0: This is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about connections, international business, supply chains, and globalization, and the effects these have had on our life, our work, and our travel over recent times. Today in the show, we will be chatting with Simon McKeever, CEO of the Irish Exporters Association. The Irish Exporters Association, or IEA as it's commonly known, plays a significant role in support in support of the exporting activities of all types of companies exporting from Ireland. And Simon and I discussed that in some detail previously on Interlinks back in 2019 in an episode that you can find in the podcast archive. Today, however, uh, we're going to be talking about something different, a new professional membership and education institute offering Um, uh, for professional development opportunities to international trade professionals and it's going to focus on preparing for a more sustainable future so this new body the Institute of Sustainable Trade or IST has been conceived developed and launched this year by Simon and his team at the IEA so welcome Simon and thanks very much for being here with us again today Thanks,
1: Patrick, and uh, great to be back on the podcast again. And and God, it seems like yesterday we've had COVID in the middle of all of this, haven't we? And and lots of other things going on in the world.
0: Exactly. So before we delve into kind of talking about the the IST in some detail, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on that. Like I checked the Interlinks Archive while I was preparing for today's show. And the last time you were on was actually May 2019, which is three and a half years ago now. And literally a different world before we'd even heard of Uh, COVID or the Ukraine war and all of that. So when you think back to that time now, how has the world changed for exporters operating in Ireland? And how has the strategy and the business of the IEA had to change to continue to support them effectively?
1: Sure. Well, I'd say, when I'm trying to remember back when we we met then, but I'd say what was on the tip of my tongue all the time is probably Brexit and how Irish companies were preparing and what state of preparedness we were at at that point. And I think we were either just about, I can't remember, but we were doing a lot of training at that time, uh, helping Irish companies get ready for breakfast, breakfast, Brexit as it is. Uh, and, And I think that that was probably the single biggest thing that was the single biggest blot on the horizon was Brexit at that point. Um, it's still there, um, but nowhere near the extent to what it was way back then. I mean, you know, we—I think Ireland's done a pretty good job in, in getting its companies ready for Brexit. We, we played a huge part in that. Mm. Um, we, we were part of the, the delivery of um, basic customs training courses to um, to uh, to a lot of the companies in Ireland. It was a government-led initiative, and, and look, there's still huge demand for that type of training. We're still still a huge demand for customs training, and of course. You know, getting getting customs training just because of Brexit means you're ready to, to trade with countries outside the EU as well. So it's, it's it's kind of handy stuff for them. I think you know. Since then, obviously, we've um, we've had COVID. And we're a small organisation, um, so we were we were uh, remotely working. I did wonder going into that what's going to happen to the business. Um, you know, because. We're, we're a small organization, but we have a, we would be very close to our members at, at both a professional and personal level. But you go into that as a small business going, but we come out of this. And, um, but we did, um, you know, I think our, uh, you know, all of the different activities that we do, all of the, what really became very um, obvious to us that. What's very important to our members is our ability to talk on their behalf, whether that's to government or in the media, um, and that ability to be very close to the customers, and actually it forced us to go digital, So this isn't the question you asked me, it forced us to go digital yeah, yeah. And, um, and brought us into everybody's um, living rooms, our home offices, as it was at that time, or into their factories, because okay, a lot of the manufacturing companies, well, they all stayed open. Um, and so we've moved into this semi-blended world uh, ever since then. I think COVID dealing with COVID over the last two years, and we played a very active role um, as part of the infrastructure in Ireland. It was a go between the companies and government to to really help um, keep the country open. Um, and then coming coming out of COVID, actually we saw this boom in in, in our in our members. So our, we were our members in terms of exports. Absolutely gangbusters, if if I can use that phrase in your podcast. Very busy, very active, huge increase in sales all around the world, pent-up demand all over the place. And of course, what has happened, and and I think part of where we are with this inflationary spiral that we've got ourselves into, was in the shutting down of China going into COVID, when you had a supply side shutdown, a supply side shock to the global supply chain, shipping uh, lines, taking ships off uh, in blank sailings, which basically means take ships off. Um, And as COVID moved up through the world, up through Europe, and then across the Atlantic, um, you know, we saw that supply side shock coming in supply chains across the world. And then the total opposite when both China and the USA opened up fairly simultaneously, hoovering up all the containers, hoovering up all the shipping capacity. and that was the start of this global supply side, global supply chain squeeze that has started this inflationary spiral that we've seen um, over the last while. So big change from a supply chain point of view for our, for our members is just in time, or is it even just in time anymore? That's kind of, a lot of that's gone out of the window unless you're very large and very powerful and have enormous global buying power. But for your smaller, medium sized even large companies, um, they're buying what they can and storing it. And uh, so, you know, you have this clogging of, so it has eased up quite a bit now. Um, as uh, the China, the China zero COVID policy has taken a bit of demand out of the system. Um a concern I would have for smaller companies, and I'm sure it's the same all around the, the Western world is smaller companies have been hoovering up inventory and storing it and sticking it in a warehouse.
0: Yeah, there's pressure on warehouses all over the place, not just not just here, but in continental Europe, in the US, all over, I'm hearing it.
1: Yeah, bigger concern would be the amount of working capital that some of these medium to smaller sized companies would have tied up. In- yeah, some are a little
0: worried that they have maybe the wrong stuff tied up and they haven't got the stuff they're actually going to need, so th- some are a bit worried about what they have.
1: Yeah, so, so going into uh, a recession, um, globally and um, where does that leave some of those kind of companies and look there's a range of supports which the Irish government has brought out which with a bit of tweaking I think will certainly help companies going forward so that's so we the, we've had the kind of supply chain squeeze then the war in Ukraine has um, exacerbated what had already been spiraling um, fossil fuel costs um, led out again from a um, huge increase of demand when China reopened up again um so, you know, if you ask me, what's the Brexit of now for Irish companies, it's energy costs is the, the biggest thing they're trying to um, get their head about it's it's using up an awful lot of um, uh, time management time in companies, how are they going to deal with these energy costs um, and the inevitable spiral in, in wage costs so that will cost? cause I think as we tip into um, as we tip into next year, I think there's a big row going on at the moment because the, the EU has, has agreed a um, 7% increase in pay for all the public servants over there. And um, so they're getting 7%. There's going to be wage demands coming into um, European and uh, US economies, I would have thought. Yeah. Certainly, members are saying to us, we're expecting a huge increase in wage demands in the first quarter of next year how, how are we going to deal with that um, you know and with,
0: a, with a tight labor market it's going to be hard to hold out against those demands isn't it
1: but, well yeah and that's the bizarre thing about this this recession is you know particularly if you look at the US and here you know, um, you know, there is still the, the labour force numbers are still very very strong despite uh, increased uh, extra, um, interest rates. Yeah, when when
0: we when we think back to the recessions that we lived through in the 1980s and we'd 18 and 19% unemployment, it's it's just not like that. It's very different, isn't it? Yeah. It's
1: more. It's smaller. numbers, except for you've pretty high inflation now at the moment. Um, but I think my, my sense is that the, that we've seen a, a bit of a peak in the energy costs. Sorry, a peak in the marginal energy costs. So gas at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen a bit of a peak in in that and in in some of the oil price uh, at the moment. Uh, which you know we've got a milder um, start to the winter season. I mean, it's very mild today. I you was know, yeah. walking outside with a coat on, I had to take it off. Um, so. And 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 look, it looks like Europe has a decent amount of gas stored um, to get us through the winter. There'll be questions about what happens. I think going into next next winter, the war in Ukraine is still going on at that point. Mm-hmm. So so it's 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 very much I, I think we have a very um, vibrant exporting economy in this country. Um and you know, we, you know the, the great thing about the Irish economy is that it is a, a wide open yeah. like, you know, global economy trading all over the world. Um, So when we have shocks at home, if our markets are doing reasonably well, uh, then we tend to be okay. Um, The the downside of that is that, you know, one of our very large markets is having a problem, then that might affect us as well. But, you know, there's a huge amount of U.S. investment in, in Ireland and um, there is um, huge, huge demand linked from those companies in, in a lot of supply chain activities going back across uh, the Atlantic Ocean. So, I, you know, we, we may have a recession. Uh, I'm not quite sure it's going to be as severe as it will be in continental Europe. Um, or particularly in the United Kingdom, uh, I think they're going to. I think they're about to get uh, very bad. Probably about nine
0: quarters of recession apparently. Uh, what that's mean. very,
1: you know, a very, very, very grim assessment by the Bank of England uh, uh,
0: last week. That's that's, uh, that's over two years. That's, that's yeah. a long, long recession. Yeah. But
1: I think what they're saying is it's it's a year and a half of recession, and it'll take them a year and a half of it to fully come out of it. But I I don't think if they I I don't know if they will come out that quickly. I think the the elephant, you know, the, the disguised elephant in the corner of the room in Number Ten Downing Street is Brexit. Still, actually, they haven't. No,
0: no, nobody wants to. Uh, make uh, an honest assessment in the UK of the effects of Brexit. It's all kind of still a bit taboo, isn't it?
1: Well, they haven't dealt with it. You know, they haven't dealt with it. They haven't dealt with the fact that they've divorced themselves from their nearest and biggest trading partner, and you know that the effects of that is going to have on the economy over time. So I, I think you know they they are they. So the US, the EU, and the UK we're all we're, we're all facing the same pressures in terms of an inflationary spiral. A supply chain spiral, the effects of the the war in Ukraine on on all the countries, um, but the UK. And, and if, sorry, if you look at the actions of the the relative central banks, the Fed, the ECB, and the Bank of England, their most recent high, rate hikes were all three quarters of a percent, uh, and all have now signaled that the next one, even, even though um, one of the Fed presidents, I think Powell, has has poo pooed this, but they're all suggesting the next one will probably be half a percent. Um, and, you know, the danger for, the danger for, your, the particular danger for Europe is that the Ukraine war is in its back garden. And, I, you know, so when you look at political and economic risk, um I, I, you know, I was talking, I was doing a radio piece last week on Euro Sterling, when you look at, and, and I used to trade currencies years ago, when you look at the Euro Sterling rate, you know, you've got political and economic risk in both territories. Um, so, so what's the political and economic risk in, um, uh, in the UK? Well, we've seen the political madness that they've gone through over the last while hopefully that's settling down um the economic risk in the uk i don't think they factored in is um you know brexit is going to weaken the economy anyway in, in an economy that hasn't really shown any growth for the last 20 years uh, so and then on the other side you know political risk in, in in europe it's probably more stable um but the economic risk, you have a war going on in, in a country that backs on to um uh, and there's a threat there. So I I think that that will keep that rate extremely volatile. And and for Ireland, you know, it, the UK remains an extremely important market
0: for us. Um, we mustn't forget that. Especially for some sectors more so than others.
1: 93.9 Dublin South FM.
0: This Institute of Sustainable Trade. So tell me then, wh- what is it and what are its objectives? So, so.
1: I think you, you called it out there at the start of your program that the the institute of sustainable trade it's a professional membership and education institute that we've set up to offer education networking and professional development opportunities to international trade professionals and that's a great thing to say but what, what is it going to do it's three core pillars sustainability international trade and leadership and, and really what it's all about is getting the individuals who work in our industry so that individuals in companies or who aspiring to work in our industry at all levels Ready to meet the challenges of sustainability, and by default, getting the companies that they're working for ready and our industry ready. Um, And you know, it's we talked about Brexit at the start of uh, you know your your podcast, and we talked about 2019. It was what we were talking about. And I suppose in when I when I look at what our companies are facing, I, I go back to Brexit, and I went. So back in 2016, we started developing all these training courses because we knew Brexit was going to be a, a major pain and a major issue for our, our members to deal with. So sustainability is going to be a major issue for our companies and the people who work in the industry to deal with. And you know, we just when we when we listed through, you know, what what our companies thinking about now as opposed to back in 2019, you didn't hear me saying sustainability. So it's it's still somewhere in the future um, and you know you will hear a lot of companies talking about everything that they've done in sustainability and there is some really successful um, initiatives going on um, but in our industry, uh, when you when you talk about global supply chains of which we are very, very part of sustainability is a big, big issue. And there is legislation coming out in, in Europe, uh, which will really begin to hit at the start of next year um, around um, you know, sustainable finance. Um, and it will force banks and insurance companies uh, and people who are investing, so larger companies as well, to act in certain ways. You know, they will need to be able to, um, to demonstrate things like um, that, you know, how are they mitting against uh, climate change how are they going to run their business so that uh, they use water more sustainably. That'll be, that'll come in in 2023. How do we transition to how towards a more circular economy, preventing waste and recycling? Uh, how do we protect different ecosystems? So you know that's coming into the financial system, uh, and they would they would have to show that they're not just greenwashing in relation but to.
0: Because the, otherwise, they're not going to get funded for projects and stuff like that. Isn't that that the essence of that? that it
1: really, but but they will
0: really, really has teeth.
1: But it really has teeth. And actually, the money is going to drive an awful lot of this because if there isn't money to invest in things, and if it's, it's like in any supply chain, there's a supply chain of money, isn't there? So, you know, it's the bigger companies that are procuring stuff of smaller companies that eventually bring in the legislative change that, that happens. So by nubbling the banks and the financial uh, system uh, to be better at sustainability, and I haven't used the word green except for now. I'm not talking just about greening. You know, we're talking about like human rights is a huge issue in, in supply chains. So by forcing the, the, the way the money has been put together and then transmitted into um, in companies will actually filter down into smaller companies. So, so that's, that's the, the EU taxonomy that will hit the financial institutions and then go into, will hit the larger companies in 26 and then filter down into smaller companies at different times. Um, and, then and that's why
0: that's why sustainable is in the title of this new institute for all those reasons.
1: That that's why sustainable because I, I, I look at what's the biggest problem our companies are going to face. What's the biggest challenge? Actually, I said problem. Problem is not a not the right word. Challenge, but it, because it's, but it's also an opportunity. Uh, like it's a, it's an opportunity for companies to steal a march, get ready for it. You know, reconfigure themselves, rebrand themselves. As long as they have the credentials. Sitting in underneath it, and we want to help companies get ready for that. Just like we helped companies get ready for Brexit, we want to help companies get ready for this. But we, the other piece of all of this is that we we recognise in our industry, um, you know, that it, it you know it it could do with being a professional type of career for people. So I'm not, you know, you look at the accountants, you look at the bankers, you look at the compliance officers, the lawyers. There's a set of standards in that. And like and there's loads of different standards for different types of work in our organization. But what we're looking to do is leaning on the legislation that's been about to be brought in in sustainability, helping people with their careers. So how do you how do you define a career path in our industry for all so levels? On the,
0: on the educational front then, what's the what's the offering? And how do you see these offerings and those qualifications evolving in future years?
1: So, so the, the initial offering is for um, is to have two designations. So these will be at your kind of I was going to say professional level, uh, but professional and manager level. So, so the initial the initial offering is to is to have um, to be a sustainable t- trade professional or manager. Which will, t- which you will need to sit a set of exams and um, to achieve it. So there's either six or eight modules, and you'll need to have a certain level of experience and qualification already. When I say qualification, a degree. Or there is also a way of grandfathering people in, but but people with there is pain involved in it. They will need to sit, um, attend virtually, um, six uh, virtual classes, a sit an exam, and there's an annual membership fee. So you need a, you need to pay your membership fee. And, and your membership fee is 300 euros and you need to sit six papers one 115 euros and then you then what we offer then afterwards is cpd um, to keep you up to speed with what needs to go on and there will be a, a chance then we're looking at um we have part of a level six so for your irish listeners they probably know what a level six program is uh, it's just below kind of um undergraduate um, degree level um, and we're looking at targeting the people who are who are doing the, the job of international trade in a, in a business. So they might be involved in the supply chain piece of it. They might be involved in the spare parts part of the business, but they're ordering um, uh, items over, uh, overseas. Um, so, so we have a level six program. We've already got our certificate in international trade. We will develop a certificate in sustainability and a certificate in leadership. Um, and then we're also working with um to the universities in Ireland and with Arizona State University in America, uh, but we're very specifically working with um, a technical university in Dublin um, to, to work with us developing level nine programs as well. Um, so level nine being at master's level. Um, so, so, the, so the future of the, org- the vision of the organization is that this is where um, people go to um, to know the standards that are required in our industry. Uh, to learn about sustainability, international trade and and leadership and to have a, you know, to have a a chassis to fit their career in and around. And we've talked to some of the logistics companies. So, so we're not, so the designations are, uh, are people working, you know, in the international trade business, but what about drivers? What about machine operationists? What about people who are working on the floor? So when we talk to the logistics companies, they go, gosh, I've got some really good people. Uh, they might be driving um HGV uh, or they might be working on the floor. How do I identify those people that I want to bring from the floor up into the, um, up the structure of the organization?
0: It's, so, interesting. it's interesting. This is aimed at individual professionals as opposed to, say, the Irish Exports Association, which is aimed at uh, businesses, so it's a, it's a different.
1: It's a very it's a, it's a very different animal. So so the the IEA's membership is the company, uh, and, and and Patrick, you know our, our members are a bit of everything. So predominantly manufacturing companies. That's the history of the of the organisation and and the logistics companies that um, that serve them. So the IEA sweet spot is you know. How do, you, how do you make the thing? How do you put the thing in the box and how do you get it on and off the island? So it's really in that supply chain territory. Um, and so the IST is absolutely focused on the individual um, and how do you help and support that individual to grow uh, during their career? So it's, it's, it's a professional body. A lot of the education will be, um, we, we will be, so the IST stroke IEA will provide a lot of the practical training. Um, so we're, we're pretty good when a company goes to us and I need, you know, I need to train six people up in, like we've just had a request in uh, um, from a company who needs to train people up on on letters of credit. Um, and So it's a very specific course to do a very specific um, operational piece in the business and we're pretty good at being able to, you know, work with individual trainers to deliver that very specific piece. Our whole suite of customs training is is all about that. Our certificate in international trade is now accredited by uh, Technical University Dublin TUD uh, at level six. But it's it's very much people go that course are able to go back into their uh, workplace afterwards and save thousands because of the stuff that they've learned. The, so there will be still that level of very practical, hands-on training that, that, that um, the IST will, will provide in the way that we do through the IEA at the moment. But we will work with education, third-level education partners to, um, to bring forward a lot of the, 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 the education that will be on the framework. Um, like We do have a suite of practical, sustainable training uh, that, that we offer as well, which is very hands-on.
0: And the relationship then between the IEA and uh, the IST, what what is it and how do they complement each other?
1: So the IST is a, a division of the IEA. Uh, so the Institute is a division of the IEA. Um, it's something that we are growing um, and uh, the, the, they, they will complement each other in that the IEA will uh, continue to represent the industry on all the various different um, stakeholder groups that we're involved in. So it's, it has a voice as will the IST. So the Institute will have a voice at the major um, pieces of legislation that are being developed. So we, we, we will continue to be a lobby group. We'll now just have a bigger ax to grind on behalf of both our companies and our individual members uh, to be able to truly represent them. So we will represent them as well. um so, that, so the relationship is it's a division of the IEA. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, looking the, to the future, this kind of environment of high inflation you mentioned earlier and rising interest rates. What do you think now are the major concerns for Irish tra- companies that trade import and export uh, internationally looking out into the future?
1: I think, I, not to move away from sustainability. They know that sustainability is is there. It's bubbling away, um, but they will wait. I I think they, they will wait until there's a gun put to their head uh, before they go and do something about it just because they're preoccupied with everything else. So a bit like, a bit like Brexit. You know, it took, the, um, it took the kind of hard deadline of the UK saying we're, we're doing this on the 1st of January uh, 2021, um, you know, to cause companies really to, to start to, to take action on that. M- my sense is that there is a legislative framework which has been brought in by Europe, some of which has started this year, but will really begin to kick in next year. Uh, as we move through next year and into 2024, people will have to do something about that. So, you know, part of our role would be to, um, you know, have a fairly high uh, visible campaign through webinars and that to get this out to people so they need to understand that. So I think that's that's going to be bubbling away in the background and it will be our role to bring that to the Ford company so they get to understand it. Uh, the big thing for them at the moment is, um, is still, you know, how are they going to deal with energy? How are they going to deal with wages? The, another big issue in Ireland is, can they find housing for their um for their um, for their workforce?
0: So now, as we come into the final minute or so, um, are you reading or listening to anything lately that you find particularly inspiring that you'd recommend to our listeners?
1: But I, you know what, I've been trying to read a whole load of books I should have read as a child,
0: <laughs> are, are the books Dick and uh, Tale of Two Cities* and all of that. Well, kind you of... know what, the
1: last book, the last book I read was *The Great Gatsby*. Uh, believe it or not, that's the last book I read, um, and I read. Um, uh what did I, I'm trying to read catch 22 uh, which is I'm finding a terrible yeah, struggle
0: I try that as well it's difficult <laughs> it's very difficult you know it's
1: just a particular uh, Empire of the sun JG ballard's book I read that again it, it's slightly difficult but it's uh I, I I've just read Ko Ben McIntyre's book have you read that one
0: no I haven't oh, so. it's a great
1: book yeah. it kind of dispels the kind of myth that Pat Reed who is the original kind of writer of the of the coded myth that it was all, you know, stiff upper lip and jolly hockey sticks. It was, you know, this is Ben McIntyre portrays it as a pretty miserable place to be. Mm. Um, I read that. What else did I read? The Splendid and the Damned. I like World War II books, um, Splendid and, da- and the Damned, which is uh, Eric Larson's book. It deals with Churchill's first year as prime minister. That's a fantastic book. Uh, what else have I read? Um, the North Water. The North Water. I tell you what I've what what i stored away to read at Christmas is The Border by Don Winslow. Have you read any of his stuff?
0: No, I haven't, no.
1: It's just fantastic. So So if you want to read, there's there's a trilogy of books that he has called The Power of the Dog, The Cartel, and The The Border is the one. And I I read the other two a few years ago. In fact, I read The Cartel first because I picked it up in a bookshop at an airport. And it's the second one. Then bought the power of the dog, read that, read the cartel, at the cartel again, and it's all to do with the you know the Mexican uh, drug wars with the with that all that. But it's just oh, it's just fantastic. Uh, they're just fantastic books.
0: some, yeah. uh, so, some great recommendations there. So uh, yeah, unfortunately we've been uh, beaten by the clock again. So uh, many thanks, Simon, for being here with us again today. It's been been a pleasure as always.
1: Thank you, Pat. And uh, best of luck with the, with the podcast. And uh, it's, it's probably too early to say Happy Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But sure, yeah. I'm sure we'll. Uh, we know we try to have a lunch before Christmas. So there we will.
0: Definitely. So thanks also to our listeners for tuning in again today. And be aware that you, if you enjoyed this episode, you can find a full series of over 100 episodes of Interlinks on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, ACAST, and other major podcast platforms. So until next time, keep well and stay safe.